right, let's pray. I got quiet. Spirit, we come to you again with hearts that are hungry and thirsty and dependent upon your goodness and your grace to do what only you can do, which is to bring us to Jesus and show us his beauty and his goodness in your word. We ask again for wisdom and how to apply what we read this morning. I pray that you would make much of Christ among us today, that you'd get our hearts set to receive what you would have for us this morning. Let our conversation be glorifying to Christ and edifying to the body. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're in Exodus 35. Verse 30 is where we're starting. And as we discussed last week, the material from here on out in Exodus is basically repeating what we went through in our discussion of what Moses received from God on the mountain. He's now relaying it to the people. Post-cash cow, post-restoration, he's now giving to them the rest of the covenant that he received on the mountain and instructions for how to, how to be a distinct people. And today, we are discussing the last part of that speech that Moses uh, is giving, relaying the instructions for the tabernacle to the people. From this point on, the text is going to record the, the building of it. The building of it. So this is going to be a challenging <laughs> to teach out of this uh, because it's repetitive. In chapter 31, God had told Moses who was to be in charge of the actual construction of the tabernacle. And Moses, as covenant mediator, repeats the instructions to the people. All right, do you recall when we talked about um, who was going to, um, to lead them in the construction, there were, there were two guys. Do you remember their names? Say it loud and proud. Two, for those of you in here who are young marrieds and possibly look at children, I commend the names Bezalel and Aholiab to you. Let's read about them. Verse 30. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord is called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahasamach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer, or by an embroiderer, in blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine, fine twined linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Aholiab, and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary, shall work in accordance with all that the Lord 
has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab. And every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of this, on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave a command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Do you remember these two guys, Bezalel and Aholiab? Do you remember the, the we talked about the meaning of their names. I, always, I, I like bringing this out again. The meaning of their names. In the shadow of God. Remember that? Do we recall this? In the shadow of God? Where uh, it talks about uh, that, that shadow frequently is a metaphor for protection. This guy is to lead them in, in the development and the, the construction of the tabernacle. He's there. His name says the, the protection of God is on him. Um, Aholiab, uh, his name literally means the tent of the father, which is kind of ironic since he's going to be helping with the tent. Um, there, there's a lot of similarity in this section and in chapter 31, but there are a couple of differences to note. Uh, first... We're getting this in third person, right? It's different than what we read before. God was telling Moses directly, I've set aside these two guys. And now Moses' covenant mediator is saying, God set aside these two guys. This is the first that they're hearing it. What's their response in hearing it? What do they do? And, and isn't there just this indication of immediate? These two guys immediately come forward to obey, to start receiving the contributions, and let's get going. The second thing that you see that's a little different is there's this language in here for, every, uh, for work in every skilled craft, and then there's a, a, a kind of a tag on to, defies, uh, to devise artistic designs. Literally, it says every, those things that are requiring thought and to take thought in. Why is this repeated? This, if you look in, 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 um, in 30, I think it's 3. It says, in he, he's 31, He's filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic design, to take thought in, to work in gold and silver and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and for carving wood, and every, for, for work in every skilled craft for everything that requires thought. Why would he repeat those, that language again? We talked about this repetitive nature of Hebrew and what it, what it brings out. If the repetition emphasizes something, right? But what exactly is the repetition? The repetition is that he is, uh, it's different from the original chapter on this. And it's bringing out 
things that require thought. And every and You're just saying it repeats thirty one. It repeats thirty one, but it adds these two phrases uh, as well: requiring thought and um, and for for work in every skilled craft. Literally means for every work that require requiring thought. And then to devise artistic designs is to take thought in. What is it bringing out there? What do you think? It wants to be purposeful. It wants to be, to be meaningful. This is important. This isn't just a, a law task that you have to go through and just do again and again. It's got to be right. It's got to be purposeful. It's got to be... This is very important. This is not necessarily just building a rocking chair. Don't build little rocking chairs. I mean, that... That requires some thought. If it's a holy rocking chair, that's well, a different that's true. That's that's true. Kind of, I, I think it kind of points to all knowledge is God's knowledge and uh -huh. all creativity is God's creativity. Yeah. And when he gives us the ability to be thoughtful about something or to be creative about something, we should use it in an honorable way because it's from him. Just because God gifts you with something doesn't mean that it's just going to come naturally, come quickly, be an easy, oh, here's the blueprint in my head, I've already got it. It requires thought. It requires creative, artistic design here. He's got to think it through, but he's been given the ability to do it. Don't assume that in the work of Christ, it's just going to magically come to you as if in a light bulb or a dream or a vision. It requires work. And we see that here. Even this guy that he's gifted to lead and teach and all these things, it requires work. And he's the guy to do it. The guy is given special capacity for the work about to begin. And, and I mentioned it already, but not only does he possess the unique gifts of craftsmanship, we talked last time about all types of craftsmanship, it being the Pinterest dream and all that, but what else has he been given? What else has he been given? Not just the ability to do it, but what the ability to teach it. Think about that. The word in the ESV is inspired. God has put in his heart the ability to teach these things to, to others. God has given him the gift of instruction, not just him, but also uh, a holy app. Many among the people have been good craftsmen. I mean, they, they were slaves in Egypt. They were taught skills to do the work that they were tasked to do. But it's a God-given thing. Even if you do stuff proficiently, it's a God-given thing to be able to, to teach it, to teach others to do it as well, right? It's a gift from God. Two things there. One, it's a gift from God. And two, it's a gift from God, right? If you're gifted to teach, if you're gifted to train, if you're gifted to, with the ability to rightly invest in other people, knowledge and skill that you've acquired, recognize it for what it is. It's not yours. It's a gift. It's not meant to be held on to. It's to be given. It's to be laid out. It's to be poured out because it comes from Him, not, not us. All right. And so it begins. Look in 36, 2 through 7. How soon from the time the last instruction was given did the work begin? How soon? Does it say? It's the feel of the text. It, like it, it does sound like it's immediate. 
I think that I think it's very uh, uh, implicit within the text itself that this was an immediate thing. They had set to do the tests after Moses called them to come to, uh, to come to receive the materials. They immediately set out to do it. The gifts and callings that we are given are not to be held back, but to laid but laid upon the altar of thankful service. What's the purpose of the gift God has given you but to be used to build up his church? Don't, don't sit around, oh my gosh, I wish I could do this. I wish, well, this sounds good, but uh, get in there. Do it. You're gifted to do it. You're called, if, you're, if, you're, if you have wisdom and ability to do something, seek additional wisdom on how to apply it to, for the benefit of the body of Christ. These guys jump right in. And it was just a call to receive materials. They get the materials and they start working. Whom did Moses call? How does the text describe them? How does it, how does it describe them? Two through seven. Everyone whose heart stirred him. And then before that it says what? They were craftsmen who had skill. In whose mind the Lord had put skill. And there we see the definition of wisdom drawn out by, by Moses here. Uh, the ESV, uh, in whose mind the Lord had put skill. Uh, the ASV says, every wise-hearted man in whose heart Jehovah had put wisdom. <clears throat> Literally, every man in whose heart Yahweh had put wisdom. This is God's work. And it also says, in whose hearts stirred, those in whose hearts were stirred, whose hearts stirred them, removed them. Was there compulsion here? Were they forced to do this? Not at all. This is all voluntary. They're given ability, they're given skill, and then they have a willingness of heart. We can talk about where that comes from. But that's not a compulsion. That's a movement freely of their own will to serve and to do the task that God has set before them. No one was mandated to come, except, of course, the two guys who were named specifically. Um, there's ability and willingness. That was the call. And they came. But they can't build the tabernacle out of nothing. They're not God. They're not going to speak it into existence. What has to happen? They get materials. Um, was that under compulsion? No. no. How do you know that? Don't. It's okay. I, didn't it say free will? It's okay. We're. I know we're sovereign grace. I, I'm, I'm kidding. With, I'm kidding with Jeffrey. I'm kidding with Jeffrey. Yes, it does say free will. It says a free will offering. Just because we're sovereign grace, we don't shy away from that word. It's okay. Free will in this context means willing heart. Right? And again, we can discuss where that comes from. But it's a willing heart. The work is not under compulsion. The contributions are not under compulsion. They're voluntary. They're willing. When were they bringing these contributions? What does it say? Every morning, morning by morning, a continuous action. Every morning, somebody else is bringing. Now think about that. Why? 
Yeah. I don't want to divert, but you look at this verse, it says, um, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill. Would you look at that verse and say, yes, God gives individual people individual talents that are different than other people? Yes. I mean, could you look at that verse and say, God's given you different skills than he's given me than the rest of the people in here? If I'm looking at just you and me, I can clearly see that. Yeah. I would never sing in front of anybody, and you wouldn't want me to. <laughs> you should tell us the story that you did with that. No, we don't want to go there. Dan, Dan, no, that wasn't a dance. That was shuffling with purpose. I don't want to divert, but I'm just saying, like, do, you, do you believe that the Lord gives us different giftings, or do you, do you believe it's more like influence and environment and upbringing? Yes. I, I, think, I think yes. One, the fundamental question uh, Paul talks about, each one of us is given a measure of Christ's gift, a measure of, of grace according to Christ's gift, right? And then he goes into the ones we often think about, the, the, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, I got the order reversed, but, but, that's, but those are the ones he points to for the building up of the body till we all come to maturity. But he starts with, he gives each of us gifts, right? So yes, fundamentally yes, and I think a lot of times, well, I absolutely believe this, that he shapes us through our experiences to have those gifts, to bring those out. How do you know you have a gift to serve the body unless you're within the community that says, ah, oh, he's good at this. Let's, let's see if we can... Our interactions within the local body bring out what the, the gifts are. Um, well, you don't, you don't know what they are in isolation. Um, I imagine that there were some who were encouraged to give by the more zealous people. Right? Some were kind of like, well, I don't know about. And then the others were really in. Wow, they're kind of crazy. Maybe I should, you know. There's some of that going on, maybe, that they were encouraged by the overabundance of some to get in there. Uh, you know, better late than never. Uh, some may uh, have offered um, initially, and then reflecting on the joy that they had in giving, would give again. However, it happened. They're over-the-top generous here. Morning by morning, they gave and they kept on giving. So much so that what happens? They had to tell them to stop. Now, think about that. They had to tell them to stop. We could build a family life center. With, with, hey, don't, 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 I'm sorry. I, 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 sorry, that just, but, some things should just not come out of my mouth. Then. But, I mean, they, they didn't go the route of, well, since God blessed us with all this extra stuff, yeah. we could build this thing that would be beautiful. I'm sure it would be honoring to God, even mm-hmm. though he didn't tell us to do it. Right. They didn't go that route. And, or, uh, even more, uh, probably, uh, cynical here would be that they they could take some of it off i mean they could kind of siphon some off there's we're you know they they in fact these these guys are honest men aren't they when you think about it you're given this massive gift this massive stuff it just keeps on coming why not why not they're not going to complain about it we're working 
Why not? But they don't do that, do they? They stop what they're doing. They stop the job that they were required to do, that they were tasked to do, to, to deal with an issue of integrity. Tell them to stop. On multiple fronts, not just one, there's too much stuff. Mm-hmm. Each individual task. Right. Yeah, and it's not just one guy. It's not just Bezalel that comes, Bezalel, but anyway, not Beelzebub, Bezalel. <laughs> not just him that comes. It's several guys at different levels and different tasks and different things, all of them coming to the same conclusion. There's too much, and I'm not going to take it. It's, it's a greater crime to rob a community than to pick a single pocket, right? These guys are, are honest. They're, they have integrity, and they, are, and they are... Tell them to stop. It's enough. It, how many churches have you been in where there's some project and the very um, loud command of leadership is stop giving. Have you ever been involved in a situation like that? Matthew Henry says of this passage, most need a spur to quicken their charity. Few need a bridle to check it, yet these did. They were restrained, restrained. They viewed it as a restraint to bring anymore. They saw Moses' command not as a let us off the hook, but as a check, as a bar to them continually, to continuing in the giving. It was a joy. God loves a cheerful giver. Paul talks of another community where this kind of giving occurred in 2 Corinthians 8. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. He's talking about an offering he was taking for the Jerusalem church who was suffering. And these Macedonians who were just destitute were tripping over themselves to give to Paul for the work to relieve the saints in in Jerusalem, begging them for the honor, for the joy of giving. Where does that come from? Yeah. I was just going to say, it also shows an incredible amount of trust for those guys to say, well, we don't need more to keep coming Uh, in. As humans, we we like to think, well, even though this is enough for this project, well, just in case, like, we should really collect. You want to have your 10% waste ratio. Yeah, or 15%, or just all of that. There's always that Sure. Right. Right. There's no. There's no hoarding going on here. Right. There. There is a. There's a trusting the provision of God. He's over. The people have been overly abundant. Right. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Do we approach service and supplies for the local body with this kind of fervor? I give twice a week. I give of all I have, or I give. You know, we we have that mindset that that anything we do, well, they should be thankful that we that we do it. Um, what restrains us? I think we quench the spirit. Okay. I mean, right in the chapter before, it talked about how their heart was stirred to give. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we do feel that. 
stirring in our hearts to do something or to act on something, but we quench it because we're selfish. Okay. It takes time. It takes resources. It takes money. Whatever it is, and we're selfish. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times we don't want to give all of that because we have that back of our head. Well, what if this happens to us? Right. We don't give, and because of that, we don't receive the blessings of the gift. Also, that um, we maybe we're just thinking about all the things that we do give that's easy for us to give. Mm-hmm. So that's our check off of I, I shared, I supplied, or whatever. But maybe the spiritual gifts that we're not sharing with other people, or the time of um, accountability, or mm-hmm. prayers, or you know, physical and spiritual mm-hmm. things. Um, that's all time. That's all things that we can give. So there's a selfishness that may be involved. There's also a, a, maybe a pride involved. Or what's easier. Well, it's easier for me to give this, but I don't want to give that. Okay. Okay. So there's a, there's a, a weighing of what's easier to give. What's less costly, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's goat hair instead of gold. I yes. So we're on the fringes, and we're not really seeing the, the depth of the of work that's going on in different areas. Maybe we're less inclined because we don't see the immediate reward of it. Mm-hmm. We don't see the immediate progress and we're, of it. I think, too, that keeps people back because they don't think they're going to make a difference, just being one person. It's so already being taken care of. What more could I add? Is that, that kind of the, maybe some of it? Maybe. maybe. The type of community makes a big difference. If you rather each person's appreciation of the community. So if they really feel like this person over here who is uh, giving or in need mm-hmm. is their brother, mm-hmm. then they'll instantly respond to a call for help or to follow suit. So the entity of identifying with the person in need or the, or the, or the work that's being done that's in need, identifying with that and saying this is, yeah, okay. Good. Anything else on that? What, what restrains us? Because what restrained them was a command from Moses, don't give any more. <laughs> Haven't heard that. And, and, and you know, we do a lot. I, you guys do a lot. I'm not, I'm not here to browbeat anybody. This, this group has been incredibly generous with a lot of things. But I, I, don't, I don't see this in me. I don't see this over the top, just abandoned to, to the, 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 the giving of, of, of service and, and materials to the body of Christ. Yeah. I know um, a lot of older people who, um, they might have a lot of money and they might not have a lot of money, but I think um, there's a lot of, the older people get, the more generous they become, mm-hmm. uh, or at least the Christian people. There's a bunch of people that, that I've known who have said, you know, the older I've gotten, the more I want to give. I want to give to my kids. I want to give to my grandkids. Mm-hmm. I want to, 
help out this person. You know, they're not a part of my family, but mm-hmm. they that that uh, generous. You know, let's pass the baton. I right. Think that that fire is stoked. The older. I think I think when we're young, like you're in your we're in our twenties and thirties. We're grasping the, the rungs of the ladder trying to get somewhere. We're trying to, you know, and it's like, well, I've worked so hard for this and I still don't have, and I, I want to get up to this place. And I think that's what, that's part of what restrains me. Mm-hmm. That in an arrogant sense of I can do better than, you know, I don't, what are they going to do with the money? They're going to do this, this, and that. You know, mm-hmm. That's a part of it too, I think. But sure. Two separate aspects. We bust on the Hebrews a lot reading through Exodus, and we really bust on them when we get the numbers. I think, I think it's worth a moment to step back, take a pause, and realize they got some things right. They did some things right, and, and better than we do. Um, and this is one of them. They, they gave freely with abandon to the building of the tabernacle. Do we give freely with abandon to the building up of the true temple? In our service to the building up of the body, do we act with integrity, preferring to benefit the community rather than scratch out a little bit more recognition? Notice, go ahead, yeah. I just thought of another thing that might be a uh, hindrance to giving. Okay. Because um, everybody's always asking for something, it seems like. Hmm. And it's, it's hard to discern, like, uh, like these people have direct order from the mouth of God sure. to build this tabernacle, and this is how you need to do it. Yeah. I mean, Moses did have a blueprint. And with us, it's like when people say, well, I feel like God's leading me to go to Uganda or wherever. It's like, okay, I mean, no, he's not. But um, So it's like, well, how, like, how do you discern, like, yeah, that, that is something that, that God would like for me to give to or, you know, this thing or that thing or whatever. It's like, I guess you kind of have to focus on your circle of, um, I mean, like people that you actually live with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could go, just get online and give all my money to any charity. And sure. It's like, well, it's just a matter of discernment. And then that kind of like, there's too many options, so you just kind of, well, I'm not really going to give to anybody. Yeah. You know? There's a story about an older man who had never gone to shop for his own socks. His wife had always gone to shop for them. And uh, he gets to the store, and he hadn't been in years. He gets to the store his dress socks, and there's like a thousand different options. And he sat down in the store and cried because he couldn't make a decision on which were the... I think you're right. I think there's so many options of, 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 what, to, of what we can give to... There's that preposition again. To what we can give. Um, Speaking, it's okay, Kevin. Uh, no, it's not. It's not okay. There's no, there's no such thing as English. Anyway... Uh, there's so many. There's so much opportunity. There's so many choices to give that I do think we get overwhelmed. How do I? How do I trust this? How do I discern what's good? How do I? What is a? What is a way in which that can be done rightly? Through the government. Uh, <laughs> that's a good point. Okay, let's just pray. <laughs> Through the government, I have failed you utterly. Yes, ma'am. Okay. One thing I do wonder about is, do you think there was any fear motivation for these people because they had just made some big mistakes and done some stupid mm. things and pushed far away from God? Mm. And so, in responding to the commands, do you think it's all like, yes, like 
grace, mercy, let's love back, or or is it like, crap, we better do it right now? <laughs> like, okay, let's just like give everything there you go. Well, I may there may be some of that. The the way the text describes it, those the, the the hearts that are willing, they were given a willing heart. It's a passive receiving of a willing heart. And who's who's giving it? God's giving it. Notice the graciousness of God here. In restoring the Hebrews to the covenant, he instructed them again on entering into his rest. We talked about that last week. He starts with the Sabbath. Don't forget my rest. Um, he, he gives them the abilities for all kinds of craftsmanship, fit for the task ahead of them. He's provided the plunder of the Egyptians to give material for the, for the task that he has before them. He provides... Uh, them ways to use their gifts and callings for something greater than themselves, the building of the tabernacle. And then he blesses them with leaders to guide their work and teach them how to do it better. When Jesus commissioned his disciples to go out, do you remember that? He sent, he sent out the, was it 70, the 70, 72, 70, I forget the number exactly. He, he talks to them about the miracles that were going to be associated with their uh, authenticating the gospel, the, the proclamation of the kingdom. And he says to them, you have received without pay, give without pay. Uh, King James says, freely you've been given, freely give. What's the first part of that? Freely you've been given. God is gracious. He has given so much. Uh, he didn't have to. It was voluntary. <laughs> the first voluntary giver is God himself. He did not have to show mercy. His gift was over the top. He sent his son. And he didn't stop there. We've talked about Paul's pointing out some of the gifts that God has given the church. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. He's given to each one of us a measure of Christ's gifts, it says in Ephesians. Knowledge, discernment, and wisdom to, to do those things. He's given too much. Who's going to restrain God? Who's going to restrain Him? They are immeasurable riches of His grace. With the psalmist we can say, my cup overflows and his goodness is too great for me. Who restrains God's generosity? No one. We can only imitate it. That's all we can do. We can't restrain his goodness. We can only imitate it. You become what? You worship. The ministry that he's given to us, the Great Commission, the, the training teaching all that Christ has commanded. The ministry that he's given us is greater than we can accomplish. It's impossible. But he's gifted each one of us with the ability to accomplish the task that he has set before us. No gift is greater than the other, but there are plenty of opportunities to give and serve. All that's required is a willing heart. Paul talks to uh, Titus, uh, when he writes to Titus, which I think we're beginning today, we're beginning Titus. Uh, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, <laughs> sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women 
likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge, also teach, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. What, what is the picture here? The picture is of a community that gives of itself to each other, to teach, to invest time, to train, to urge, to encourage. It's an endless work, right? It's endless. It's too much. But we're already overflowing. Yeah, there's so much more to giving than just money. It's um, like if you're really giving yourself involved in people's lives and a money issue does come up, that'll be like, no problem. I mm-hmm. take it. But it's not just that. It's a giving of your life and your like, your wisdom and insight and the riches and all that stuff. A couple weeks back. It, it's easy to give money to write a check, just to reiterate what you're saying. Is it easy, as easy to give forgiveness? Is it as easy to give uh, time? I, I, I will use this opportunity yet again to plug one-to-ones. And then, like, Please when, do them. When uh, you're really that involved with each other's lives, and you, you will, like, it, you can't be rent or something. Like, that mm-hmm. should be able to come up you know, pretty easily. And then, like, yeah, I mean, people will give, and you'll be able to pay your rent. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a problem. Uh, but I guess we're, like, so isolated that it's, it's, uh, we feel ashamed to ask. You only know of needs. You only know of needs if you're involved with e- in each other's lives. I mean, there are needs that you guys have that I probably don't know. That you, you, you may not know of each other. There's an interconnectedness that's required for us to do this rightly. Not, not nosiness. But in investing and giving and taking of each other's lives, it's required to do this rightly. Um, I, I want to say real quickly uh, a point about service in the church as a single. Because I, uh, I fight the idea so often that the youth and young adults who are single uh, are just supposed to be slave labor for the church. I, I, I hate that idea. I fight it. Constantly, just because you're single doesn't mean that you automatically task for babysitting on Valentine's Day. I don't. I don't think that that's right. Nevertheless, nevertheless, it's okay to do it willingly, not under coercion. That's a blessing to the body, right? Um, I don't. I don't ever want it to be an expectation, but I certainly don't want to restrain. <laughs> a willing heart that wants to give that way. Yes? Uh, the people that went down to visit my parents and worked with the Salvation Army this past week, Clint Cooper was the only one who was single. Hmm. Every single other person that went was married, and they sacrificed their their families and their jobs. Right. They went down to do manual, sweaty, hard work, labor all week long yeah. to people they don't even know. Yeah. From our church. That's, that's giving generously. Um all right. My, my prayer for us, all of us, 
uh, echoes Paul's in 2 Corinthians 9-11. He says, that you will be enriched. Incidentally, enriched by whom? Who's enriching us? There's that giving of God's generosity again. In every way, with what? The overabundance of His generosity again. To be generous. From His generosity comes generosity. We're to image Him from the heart. In every way, which through us will produce what? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. The, the goal is to, to worship Him and be thankful to Him and to realize that we're dependent upon Him. We image Him in our generosity. Are we imaging Him in our generosity? Maybe that's a question. These kind of passages bug me. They hit, you know, because never, you never know when enough is enough. And I guess, I guess maybe it's whenever I tell you to stop, that, that may be the, the enough. So, all right. Any any other comments or questions? Yeah. I think it's First Corinthians around verse four. Which, what do you have that you have not received? Right. It's the exact same thing yeah. from another side. Right. People weren't doing what they were supposed to do, but what do you have that you do not receive? Uh, that you have not received? Why then boast as if you if you earned it? Yeah. It's, it's the exact same thing. It's all a gift. Um, it's all a gift. Yeah, I think I think we talked last week about one of my children who shall not be named, um, that, that that had received some popcorn, and then the sister said, "Can I have some?" He's like, "No, it's mine." You know, it's a gift, dude. I mean, oh, dudette or whoever could, that could have been. Um, it's, it's a gift. He shouldn't that be named. It changes your perspective, doesn't it? Because then it's it's not, oh, this is this is mine. Right. My precious. You know. My precious. It's, we're in charge of it. We're right. We're stewards. We're stewards. We're stewards. Somebody else's stuff. Right. And, the, and, the, and we're agents, the stewards of the principal, and the principal is incredibly over-the-top generous. So who are we to restrain him? And not only our money, but as Ty was saying, Time. The, the craftsmanship, right. the intelligence, mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Because we're called to, I mean, this doesn't come, you know, like magic. You have to work at it. Yeah, good. All right. Be good stewards of time. <laughs> I have five minutes. All right, let me, let me pray in those five minutes. You can run now. We'll see you. Thank you guys for being here. Father, we do thank you. But... How can we thank you enough? You have been over the top generous to us in Christ and in building a community in which we can be challenged and encouraged in gifting us with unique gifts to serve. When we don't deserve your grace, we don't deserve your gifts. Would you, by your Spirit, give us willing hearts to be abundantly generous, to reflect you in your gifts?
help us, equip us, give us wisdom and discernment on where to give, how to give, and how to do it rightly with the right heart, not out of duty or compulsion, but because we want to display to the world and to each other your generosity, your graciousness to your people. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.